I enjoy my beer. One a day is my, my limit. Drink in moderation. Sobering new data on the impact of alcohol. Tonight, just how much is too much? The drastic adjustment to drinking guidelines for Canadians. Good evening. If you enjoy a glass a day, our top story may make you want to put it down. A new recommendation cuts consumption to, at most, two drinks a week and calls for added warnings for Canadian drinkers. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us live with the details. Austin. Michelle, the latest research indicates that no alcohol is best for your health. And what we thought was moderate drinking a little over a decade ago is now considered high risk. The Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse has drastically reduced the amount of alcohol it recommends for safe consumption, saying that two drinks a week presents a low health risk, while three to six drinks poses a moderate risk. But seven or more drinks a week present a high risk, and that health risk increases with each additional drink. There's been a lot of myths around, uh, you know, wine is good for our health, and the evidence is very clear that no amount of alcohol is good for our health. That said, the guidelines are not about telling people what to do. They're about informing them of alcohol-related risks and giving them the information and tools to make informed decisions about what level of risk is acceptable for them. Reaction on the streets to the new guidelines is mixed. It's horrible. <laughs> I enjoy my beer. Will it change the way you drink? No. No. And would you drink more than that in a week? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Personally, I'm a, I only have about uh, one or two a week, so yeah, I think it's true. Drink in moderation. The report points out that alcohol is a carcinogen and that can cause at least seven types of cancer, most commonly breast and colon, and that alcohol causes 7,000 cancer deaths a year in Canada. The report's authors are calling for warning labels echoed by the Canadian Cancer Society. These labels should include standard drink information, information about the risk for cancer and other chronic diseases, information about the new Canada's guidance on alcohol and health that was released today, as well as nutritional information. The industry saying today warnings are unnecessary, that there already is extensive labeling. Beverage alcohol products sold in Canada must also declare the percentage of alcohol by volume on the label. Major pushback from the alcohol companies because it will mean reduced income, reduced revenue for them if people are saying, okay, I, I want one less. But experts say warning labels can work to an extent. I think that the research does support it. Um, we've had the warnings on the cigarette packs now for quite a while, and those have research has shown that they've been moderately effective. The new guidelines update Canada's low-risk drinking guidelines from 2011, when two drinks a day were considered low-risk and that women could safely consume up to 10 drinks a week and men 15. Really what's changed is that we've had a decade of research since the previous guidelines have come out and with scientific advances we've really seen the evidence come a long way and that evidence has shown us that really no amount of alcohol is safe and that the more you drink the more you increase your risk for alcohol related harms. The new report cautions more than seven drinks a week puts the consumer at a high risk for heart disease and stroke. And Beer Canada questions the validity of the report and says drinking and how much should be a personal choice. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Michelle? Thank you, Austin. Could it be encouraging news for the economy and consumers tired of increasing prices? New numbers came out today showing the inflation rate is down. Prices overall were still up 6.3% over last year, slightly from 6.8% in November and 6.9% in October. CTV's Annie Bergeron Oliver has more on what it could mean for Canadians bracing for a recession. 
prices at the pump have fallen again, bringing some relief to drivers at a time when many Canadians are cutting costs. It still seems up and down. Some days it seems like it's a deal and other days it's way up again. It's going up and down. Yeah, especially driving these trucks here, it's not cheap. Gasoline prices are down 13% since last year, and that decline is bringing inflation down with it. We're starting to see signs that this uh, uptrend inflation line in Canada, I would actually argue globally, uh, is starting to finally break. But food costs remain high, with everything from bakery products to coffee and tea and fresh vegetables up at least 13%. Romaine lettuce, when we were selling that 59 cents a year and a half ago, we were selling that at $7 or $6, and people are going, well, I'm not going to eat salad. I'll buy something else. The price pressure has forced Eli and James to change how he purchases the food that fill his store shelves. It's hard. People don't have, they have the same salary, they got to spend more money. So they're buying less. Overall, at 6.3%, the inflation rate is slowly and steadily coming down. And because of that, analysts predict next week's rate hike will be the Bank of Canada's last for a while. Inflation is, is moving in the right direction now. That could be it for the bank. We could see the policy rate peak at 4.5% uh, after next week. And then we'll have the Bank of Canada likely just moving to the sidelines for much of this year before perhaps uh, cutting rates starting early next year. But those same rate hikes designed to slow the economy and bring inflation down are what economists believe is likely to push Canada into a recession. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. From consumer costs to the debate over how the city spends your money. Today, the doors to City Hall were open for citizens to have their say. CTV's Natalie Johnson joins us live with the details. Natalie. Hi, Michelle. This year's budget is a big one, and there is a lot of money on the line for residents, some of whom came down here to City Hall today to call for changes to how those tax dollars are spent. Huda Idris came to City Hall today to blast the budget. I'm tired of Toronto being unlivable. Like, this is, this is the most expensive it's been ever. Joining residents like Jacinta McDonald in hoping the politicians would pay attention to their pleas. I hope so. There's a lot of us that are very concerned. We do have quorum. Concerned, they told the committee, about how tax dollars are being spent. The dollar figures are high, a $1.5 billion shortfall, and the biggest proposed property tax hike since amalgamation. We know these are difficult times. But the speakers also questioned where the money was all going and why. One of the biggest targets, the $48 million increase to the police budget. I'm here to demand you reject the police board's budget increase of 4.3% and move those funds to urgently needed community services and programs. I hope that we can find more creative solutions to reducing crime that will actually make the city safer. If budgets are a moral document, I ask where your morality is today in this document. Others questioning how the city can raise rates in a tough year for many. Increasing the fare by 10 cents is something that my family of five will have a hard time affording. It will cost more, but you will get less service. At least if we're paying more, we should be getting the same value out of it, and we're not anymore, and I don't, I don't like it. And so Idri's call to committee was to scrutinize the spending. To really reevaluate where we need some of these funds to go, because today they're not going in the right places. Saying this is the time for the politicians to listen to the people. And public deputations on the budget continue here this evening as well as up at the North York Civic Centre. Tomorrow, the committee will hear from residents in Scarborough and Etobicoke. Reporting live at City Hall, I'm Natalie Johnson. Back to you, Nathan and Michelle. Thank you, Natalie.
Coming up on deck at Rogers Center, a look at phase one of the rental plan to improve the fan experience in time for the home opener. We step up to the plate. But first, let's take a live look outside, and it's hard to see anything near zero visibility. In effect, the fog advisory, some freezing rain today, not exactly the best conditions, but a far cry from what happened on this day last year. Remember this? We were hammered by a major winter storm on this day in 2022. It forced the closure of highways, crippled the drive, and left people stranded in their home. Took me two hours to get to work that day. I'm sure it brings back memories, Lindsay. It brings back memories for so many people, Nathan. It's one of our most uh, memorable storms in recent years, and for good reason. We'll take a look at some of those stats associated with that storm coming up, but let's first take a look at what's happening tonight. We are under a fog advisory here in the city of Toronto, as mentioned, and some surrounding areas. That visibility near zero, the dense, the very dense fog, in fact, around the city, starting to improve the conditions in Hamilton, but still quite poor in the Peterborough area. We have some wet weather returning to most parts of the GTA at this hour. Some freezing drizzle ongoing in eastern sections of the province. And look how mild it is right now. Four degrees in Toronto. Another mild day on tap for tomorrow. And guess what? More icy weather possible into Thursday. All of those details are coming up in your weather forecast. For now, though, Nathan, I'll send it back to you. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. We're still months away from Blue Jays baseball, but tonight the stage is being set for a whole new fan experience. The Rogers Center is in the midst of some major renovations, and today we got a look inside at the progress. CTV's Raheem Ladani toured the facility and has this report. It may not look or sound like a field of dreams just yet, but the Toronto Blue Jays are playing Moneyball. A $300 million renovation they hope will put more fans into these new seats. They're uh, more comfortable, so there's a little bit more given them. They're a little bit wider. Every chair in the 500 level has started being replaced, but don't expect cup holders. The old seating, so worn out, they're all being thrown out. Upwards of 250 workers have been here six days a week since demolition began in October. And the things that make it most challenging are one, the time frame. We're doing this over a condensed period in the off-season. And two, the fact that we're putting this into an existing building. You know, we're not building it on uh, an, an open field. This is the first major renovation since the then Sky Dome opened in 1989, 33 years ago. The Blue Jays are hoping this major investment means the team will be playing here for at least the next 10 to 15 years. Concrete has already been poured for one of the biggest changes, raised bullpens. They're now several feet off the ground. And a seating area is being built, which will bring fans right up to the outfield wall. One of the things you probably remember about our old outfield was there, there was a service level. So a lot of home run balls would actually never get to the fans. They would just sort of drop in the service level and some fairly major home runs. Uh, so one of our intentions was to bring the fans closer to the field. Crews are cutting steel, building beams, and reinforcing current infrastructure for what will soon be four new food and beverage areas around the stadium, each with its own theme. From a swanky King West bar to a rooftop patio nestled underneath the CN Tower. While phase one of the renovations is on budget, it comes at another cost. Rogers Centre capacity is being reduced by just over 3,200 seats, a number that will grow when phase two begins next offseason. 
Now, the Blue Jays admit that this renovation is not going to address all of the stadium issues that have been exposed over the past 30-plus years, but they do feel that these changes are going to be the most impactful. Now, Jays fans will get their first look at the newly renovated stadium on April 11th, which is the Blue Jays' home opener. Reporting live, I'm Raheem Ladani. And just down the street, Scotiabank Arena will be bustling tonight. Coming off back-to-back -back losses, the Maple Leafs are hoping for a win as they host the Florida Panthers. Puck drop is at 7. Still ahead, the winter version of a lemonade stand. Meet the 10-year-old who braved the elements at times to raise money for sick kids, banking on Canadians hankering for a hot cup of cocoa. But first, to a CTV News investigation into car thefts and technology that could leave your vehicle vulnerable. On average, 32 cars are stolen off Toronto streets every day, and that number appears to be on the rise. CTV's John Woodward joins us live with more on how tech-savvy thieves are finding new ways to steal vehicles. Yeah, Nathan, however bad you thought it was last year, it is now worse as a digital arms race pits tech-savvy thieves against cars. The lights start flashing on Zachary Kozak's Ram truck, but there's no sound. The thieves have disabled the horn. It, I was shocked, to be honest with you. Uh, they definitely came in knowing exactly what they were going for, and they knew exactly what they were doing. Once inside, they access the $80,000 truck's computer. A short time later, they're gone. In a matter of seven minutes, my vehicle was taken from me. The tech trick, one of several employed by thieves who have traded a crowbar for portable devices like these seized by the OPP recently to fool cars into thinking a dummy fob is the owner's own key. Several Ontario forces have warned about stolen rams in recent weeks. It appears that uh, the thieves have uh, become very sophisticated. Uh, these vehicles uh, have more modern comfort features that us as drivers enjoy. And uh, it appears that these thieves have found a way to manipulate uh, that, that piece of technology to their favor. Another method, a relay attack. Caught on video in York Region, a man catching a signal emitted from a key fob left by the door. He rebroadcasts it to the car, which starts a moment later. These tactics contributing to a staggering rise in Canadian car theft. Toronto statistics show there were 453 cars stolen in the first two weeks of the year, up 45% from the same period last year. In the city, that's over 32 cars every single day. Police recovering millions in vehicles in investigations like Project Touchdown, but many go on to be used in other crimes or sold overseas. Certainly it's, uh, it is very frustrating, um, especially when you see great volumes. Some cars so easy to hit, an American class action lawsuit claims that it became a challenge on social media site TikTok. The Kia challenge, as it's called, they are very easy, unfortunately, to steal. One of the key issues today is that manufacturers are not keeping up with security vulnerabilities. Cybersecurity expert Claudio Popa says it's time car companies defended these like a series of cyber attacks and add measures like password protection. These are computers on wheels. Stellantis, which makes the Ram, said it is doing that for models, including the Charger and the Challenger, to limit the car's speed without a passcode saying we use industry standard vehicle technology as with other vehicle features we are engaged in continuous product improvement. Improvement that takes time and hasn't yet made it to the Ram lineup, which may be one reason the thieves are choosing that vehicle today. I feel this like, car manufacturer should be doing more. So others don't have to watch their car drive away without them. 
We're told another manufacturer is looking at changing the signals from these fobs. When they aren't moving, they stop broadcasting, which is one way that could defeat that uh, relay broadcast you saw earlier as that arms race continues. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you. All right. Thank you, John. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. The city of Vaughan will establish a memorial to those killed in the mass shooting at a condominium last month. Five people died in the attack on December 18th. And today, city council unanimously approved a resolution to establish a permanent memorial. It's not clear yet what form it will take. An unveiling will be held, but a date has not been announced. Fire crews were called into action today to battle a blaze near York Mills and the DVP. A viewer captured video of the flames at the scene on Valley Woods Road near Brookbanks Drive. This was just before the noon hour. Toronto Fire says a motorcycle on a porch caught fire. The flames were mostly outside the home. The fire was put out and no one was hurt. And take a look at this. Police have released images of suspects in an arson investigation. It happened at a business in the Warden and Sherry Road area at around 4.30 in the morning on January 5th. Police say two suspects were driving a white Lexus SUV in the parking lot. The pair damaged the glass windows of two parked work trucks, poured accelerant inside, and set them on fire. It's been called a silent pandemic, and tonight there's a new effort to address the problem of intimate partner violence. Launched in Peel Region, it offers a dedicated response and support to those who need it. CTV's Mike Walker has the details. Specially trained police officers and support workers are now being deployed together to intimate partner violence calls across Peel Region. A new and innovative response to a problem that is on the rise. We had a silent pandemic happening. Last year we saw 2,000 women who needed support from the Safe Centre of Peel. And we know we have to do something different. Peel Regional Police and the Safe Centre of Peel joining forces to create two new response teams. Rotating on 12-hour shifts, they will be deployed to non-criminal and non-violent domestic calls. We have a crisis worker, social worker trained in gender-based violence and a specially trained officer who's also got the same requisite training that will be dispatched to provide immediate referrals to services. So this project allows us to get in there early, to get some support, and to mitigate any future risk of uh, physical incidences happening. A new approach for support worker Riley Patton, who often assists victims seeking support. Because you're going in in the moment when there's right after the police have arrived. It's immediate needs, and we can get in there a bit earlier, uh, provide support to the whole family hopefully, and um, stabilize it long-term. The latest statistics from Peel Police show officers responded to 17,000 domestic disputes in 2021, about 45 a day or two every hour. Nearly 80% of the victims were women. Many of them are verbal disputes. They're the beginning of a cycle to intimate partner violence. Preventing that cycle will include follow-ups from support workers. They meet with the different members in that home to really understand what happened today and what do we need to do to make sure that you're connected and you get the help that you need. This is a three-year pilot program and the first of its kind in Ontario. Mike Walker, CTV News, Brampton. There is more reaction tonight to the Premier's plan to tackle surgery wait times by investing in private health services. The Premier says it's a strategy used by other provinces. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris puts it under the microscope. Siobhan. Nathan, experts in the field say what Ontario is trying to do, replicating uh, approaches from other provinces, it can work. But a lot of things have to go right first.
Pull your light pipe back. So Just like in the operating room, tiny details for Ontario's revamped surgery plan will make the difference. This is an important shift in the way that delivery is going to be provided in the largest province of Canada. The changes the government describe as bold are actually a bit of catch-up to other provinces. They're delivering it a little differently and they're, they're being successful. For years, the number of private surgeries have been ramping up in British Columbia. Alberta and Quebec, where the Premier has promised to build more of what he calls private mini-hospitals. Stepping up private surgeries in Ontario right now won't be simple. The idea is good, but there's still there's a tremendous lack of human resources to be able to sort of pull this one off. There's skepticism of any real plan to keep nurses and doctors in stretch-thin hospitals. Will they be gravitating towards these private clinics uh, where they might be getting better pay, they might be getting better working conditions. There are questions too about how private clinics will recoup expenses for new equipment and staff to carry out surgeries. Whether it is upselling, which you heard a lot of uh, in the concerns yesterday, or by taking patients who are less complex. Leaving the more complex and more expensive to treat patients to hospitals. A sector healthcare experts say could use more help to perform more surgeries. We've got unused capacity in our public hospital system. It's there. Why would we not be trying to ramp that up? Bowen believes Ontario can learn from places like South Korea, Japan, and Taiwan to move closer to a healthier healthcare system. We need to be able at some point to step back and stop hopping from crisis to crisis. And I would argue we need to start making some fundamental decisions about what do we want for health care in Canada. The federal health minister did express some concern about this plan, saying we do have to have a discussion about whether investing more in private care means that the public sector is hurt a little more. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Meantime, in Quebec, the emergency room at a major Montreal hospital was forced to reduce operations last night because of a nurse-led protest. I don't have family, I don't have kids, but uh, I have a lot of colleagues that have a family and have kids, and I don't know how they do to, to live like this. It's impossible. It's unfortunate that we had to go through this uh, uh, this situation last night, but I think we, you can see that we are really involved right now in making sure we find solution. ER at Maisonneuve Rosemont Hospital reopened this morning after officials asked the public to avoid using it overnight. That was because of a sit-in staged by some of the 100 nurses threatening to quit. They demanded the resignation of a manager for imposing mandatory overtime. That manager has now been reassigned and the health authority for East End Montreal says it will work to improve conditions for the emergency room nurses. The hospital is operating at 115 percent capacity. A First Nation in northern Ontario has found 171 possible graves at the site of a former residential school following an eight-month investigation. Finding the truth and exercising caution on everything touched by this genocidal legacy comes at a price. And it's a price our treaty partners need to pay. That is true reconciliation. To my community members... This is a very difficult day for us. I urge you to lean on, these, on those mental health supports. Lean on your ways of healing. Wajaskwanigam Nation says the plausible burials were uncovered at the cemetery grounds at the former St. Mary's Residential School in Kenora. 
there are five grave markers. The rest are unmarked. The First Nation is meeting with federal and provincial ministers about the next steps. They include resources required to continue the investigation and conducting probes at several other sites near the school. Ontario's Minister of Indigenous Affairs released a statement that reads in part, as we continue to uncover the truth of our collective past on the journey toward reconciliation, we will continue to support these investigations and will support healing for survivors, their families and community members suffering from mental health and addictions due to intergenerational trauma and harms inflicted by the Indian residential school system. The U.S. president will travel to California later this week to see firsthand the impact following weeks of extreme weather. Joe Biden will visit the central coast on Thursday. He'll meet with first responders and officials assessing what additional federal support is needed. Major storms drenched the state and covered its mountains in heavy snow. At least 20 people died. Skies are now largely clear with light rain in the forecast, but that could be enough to cause problems because the state is so saturated. In western Germany, climate activist Greta Thunberg was carried away by police today. Thunberg was detained while protesting against the destruction of a village to make way for the expansion of a coal mine. Officers physically removed the Swedish activists from the edge of the open pit mine. Police say about 50 demonstrators got dangerously close to the rim of the mine and did not want to leave despite being asked to do so. Back here at home on a cold day, there's nothing like a cup of hot chocolate. A boy from Whitby has banked on it, starting a special fundraising campaign. And as CTV's John Musselman reports, his effort is warming hearts. Ten-year-old Cohen Lane and his mom Karina say it started as a pretty simple idea that became a big hit in their Whitby neighborhood. It's a hot cocoa stand, and we raise money for sick kids. With help from his parents, Cohen designed the booth and went to work offering hot chocolate to customers on multiple winter weekends leading up to the new year. I didn't know that it was going to get this popular, so I'm not, I was not ready for all this. The stand attracted neighbors, firefighters, the local mayor. There was even seating area for people to enjoy their hot chocolate. They braved some nasty weather on some weekends, according to his mom. All of our customers were able to ha enjoy their hot chocolate under a canopy without getting rained on. Uh, we had a really bad windstorm with like a windstorm warning, and so we brought everything into the garage. The family has a connection to Sick Kids Hospital. Cohen's cousin was successfully treated there when he was just three months old. Cohen wanted to give back. The stand and a fundraiser at his school helped raise even more money, much more than Cohen ever imagined. I was hoping to raise 350 and... Uh, I made $6,130.90. Wow. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, really <laughs> surprised. You know what? Cohen is pretty giving. He, it's, it's not outside his norm, but it's so, it's such a large scale, and I'm really proud of what he actually accomplished. And today, Cohen delivered his donation to Sick Kids Hospital, where he was honored by staff for his hard work and determination. Cohen says he learned a lot about himself and offers this advice. Um, always follow your dreams and don't give up. Cohen says the stand was such a hit, he plans to do it all again next December. John Musselman, CTV News in Whitby. Well done. Still ahead, 80 never looked so fit. We catch up with a personal training trainer defying expectations for octogenarians. Her philosophy on fitness coming up.
And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, if you think it's getting more costly to own a vehicle these days, you would be right. Prices for new and used cars have hit all-time highs. Add in insurance, interest on loans and parking, and owning a vehicle is expensive. I'll have my report just ahead. Wet weather is once again sweeping across the GTA. We will gradually see fog dissipate from west to east. Look at the temperature through the night tonight, holding steady at about 4 degrees. And then tomorrow, highs of around 5, 6. I'll remind you that our average daytime high at this point in January is minus 2. Thursday, the next weather maker moves in. Will it be mild enough for rain or will we get some snow? Those details are just ahead in your weather forecast. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here. Here on CTV. The pandemic, supply chain issues, and inflation have driven up the price of new and used cars, and there is little relief in sight. Once you factor in car insurance, rising interest rates, and maintenance, the cost of owning a car has increased dramatically. Our Pat Foran has more on Consumer Alert. Pat. It has, Michelle and Nathan. Two new studies show that owning a car has gotten a lot more expensive. Prices are higher, interest rates have gone up, and to try and keep monthly payments lower, more buyers are taking out six, seven, and even eight-year car loans. Auto Trader says its data shows the average price of a new vehicle is now the highest it has ever recorded. Used car prices have dropped slightly each month since last summer, but new car prices continue their steady rise. The new car prices have been uh, going up on a month-over-month basis uh, since the middle of last year. According to Auto Trader, the average price of a used vehicle in October was $37,000, almost 20% higher than the year before. The average price of a new vehicle was more than $57,000, more than 18% higher than the year before. It's not just the cost of buying a vehicle. A study by RateHub.ca found insurance, fuel costs, and higher interest rates are all making owning a vehicle a bigger financial commitment. Getting a vehicle now, you're going to be paying more interest than you were a couple of years ago. So just the idea of owning a car now is just more expensive. When you buy a vehicle, you have to factor in depreciation, interest, gas costs, parking, insurance, and maintenance, which for many drivers is more than $1,000 a month or almost $13,000 a year. Insurance costs, especially in the GTA, continue to rise due to inflation, auto theft, and increasing costs to repair vehicles loaded with technology. A couple years ago, or you know, say 10 years ago, to repair a windshield was a couple hundred dollars. Now in some vehicles, due to the technology and the windshields themselves, it can be upwards of $1,000 or more. Manufacturers have been able to increase the new vehicle supply and used car prices are coming down as dealers get more inventory, but don't expect them to drop dramatically. We expect that prices keep softening in, in 2023. Having said that, we do not expect the prices to go back to uh, pre-COVID levels anytime soon. And according to Stats Canada, transportation accounts for about 20% of our monthly budget. If you're spending more than that, you may want to review your costs. If you live in the city using public transit, ride sharing, and occasionally renting a car might be cheaper. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. So it's on the mild side, but are you already missing the sun? I mean, that fog, the rain. It would oh. be nice. You can barely see, you know, 100 yards when you look outside, Lindsay. Yeah, looking a little bit more like a Stephen King novel out there right now. And now we've got some rain moving in, too. 
It is mild. I guess that's the trade-off in January. It's mild, but it's cloudy. Uh, I don't even have the best news when it comes to when the sun is set to return. We're going to have to wait a few days, and we have another round of active weather on the way as well. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. A little bit earlier in the show, we were talking about this day last year. One year ago, we had a rare blizzard warning for the city of Toronto. And by the time all was said and done, some areas of the GTA had picked up anywhere from 30 to 50 centimeters of snow. Of course, uh, major highways were closed, and then a major snowstorm condition was issued by Toronto Mayor John Tory. Don't have to worry about that in our short-range forecast. What we're concerned about tonight is the fog. It's still pretty dense out there. Uh, thick right across the GTA improvements starting to happen from west to east and through this evening we will continue to see improvements but higher terrain areas it might take some time for that fog to really dissipate so take care out on the roads tonight there is also a freezing drizzle advisory in place for areas of eastern Ontario but as far west as Peterborough so just a heads up on that we've got some more rain now starting to sweep its way through the west GTA just starting to arrive downtown all part of the same slow moving low pressure system that brought us the freezing rain overnight and the ice pellets early this morning. It was a slippery morning commute. Now it's a foggy evening one. And depending on where you are, we've got some wet weather too. Next low pressure system is on the way. You can see it just starting to creep into the bottom of the screen there. With this one, we are once again expecting perhaps a period of freezing rain. Overnight tonight, uh, it's possible that some freezing drizzle or snow will occur uh, mainly east of the GTA. Tomorrow morning, a slight chance of showers in the morning, but generally speaking, it's a drier day with some drizzle, still some cloud cover. And then there's a look at Thursday morning. So that's about 6 a.m. Here's about 10.30. You can see that those patches of pink one more so uh, freezing rain a possibility then conditions start to cool down and we'll move into some light snow as we head into the day on Friday it's mild tonight uh, four degrees for the overnight low tomorrow's high five some communities could climb to about six degrees this is well above seasonal but at the risk of sounding like a broken record much of January has been too we do see more seasonal temperatures as we make our way into Friday Saturday and Sunday but where's the sun we're hopeful for maybe some sunny breaks as we make our way into the day on Monday. Hopefully we'll see it before then. That's your look at the weather for now. Nathan, over to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. The link between social media use and self-esteem. New research shows too much app time may distort reality for young people. We break down the study just ahead. If you have a teen who's constantly scrolling on their phone, there's some new research you'll want to hear. It found the more time spent on social media can lower self-esteem by creating a false sense of what young people should look like. CTV's Allison Hurst explains. Whether you're walking or waiting, watching your social media consumption is more important than ever. A new study found a link between time spent scrolling and low self-esteem in teens. The more young people interact with platforms such as Instagram and, and Facebook, the more they tend to look at themselves as being perhaps, you know, not measuring up to what they see. 3,800 high school students were surveyed over a five-year period for this study, which differentiated between TV, video games, and social media. What we also found was that there was quite a lasting effect of social media on eating disorder symptoms. Particularly on platforms that focus on images. Especially with TikTok, is the format, because it's vertical, 
there is a focus more on bodies and um, I'm noticing a lot more body checking behaviors. Chloe Grande, who speaks openly about her own eating disorder recovery, says triggers are everywhere. Sometimes there's a sense of self-blame as the person consuming the content. It's like, oh, I'm doing this to myself. I'm making myself feel bad. But you have to remember that that engagement you know, pays for the cost of the platform and we are the product. We will sometimes see on our platform that People are coming to us right after being on Instagram or TikTok. Ari Maharaj with the National Eating Disorder Information Centre says it's time for social media companies to be transparent. Let scientists get into the inner workings of their algorithms instead of calling them proprietary. Those we spoke with say talking to teens about social media is key. If you can be the one sort of shaping the experience, then... That's, that's probably going to be positive. The more informed that you are, the better you would be able to ha to handle it. As parent, you've got to be responsible too. You've got to be, you've got to know what your kids are doing. So they are safe online. Allison Hurst, CTV News, Toronto. Officials with the Toronto International Film Festival are mourning the passing of one of its organizers. Ravi Srinivasan was just 37 years old. The Sarnia native joined TIFF in 2013 and programmed for both Hot Docs and Real Canada. Last year, he was promoted to senior manager of festival programming. He was known for his focus on Canadian films, as well as those from South Asia and the Philippines. In a statement, TIFF CEO Cameron Bailey wrote, Ravi Srivanasan embraced life, movies and people in all their complexity. We will miss him dearly. A public memorial service for Lisa Marie Presley will be held this Sunday at Graceland. It will take place on the front lawn of the Memphis mansion at 9 a.m. 54-year-old Presley died last Thursday, just hours after being hospitalized for a medical emergency. It was previously announced that Presley will be buried at Graceland next to her son, who died in 2020. Madonna is the best-selling female solo touring artist of all time. And fans are thanking their lucky star. She's heading back on the road. And it includes a stop here in Toronto. CTV's Andrea Case joins us now in Andrea Madonna's numbers stack up, but will the tour? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Like that lucky star. I hope you got that at home there, folks. Well, that's for the fans to decide. Now, she is tough to beat. 57 chart hits, including 38 top tens and the most of any female artist. So after 40 years... She still has something to give. This was our first introduction to Madonna Louise Veronica Ciccone. Everybody was her first single. It was 1982. She was just 23. In a video reminiscent of her 1991 documentary, Truth or Dare, Madonna. Dare. Today she's back Madonna. playing the same game. I dare you mm -hmm. to do a world tour and play your greatest hits. Uh -huh. The 64-year-old telling her legions of fans she's going back on tour. Celebration will be a roll call of hits from her 40-year career. After you reach your peak, it's time for her to retire. I think it's awesome! I think I can't wait to see her. She's gotten a little loopy, but I think it'd be great to see her out there. She's, uh, what, 60 or 70? Fair play to her. Keep doing what you're doing. I don't think it's, um, she could be the material girl anymore, you know. Saw last night in Toronto, the fascist state of Toronto. Madonna has had an interesting relationship with Toronto after making the news around the world and right here on what was then CFTO. 
spokesman for rock singer Madonna say Metro Police and the Crown Attorney's Office threatened to arrest the star last night for lewd and obscene behavior. That was May 1990, when her blonde ambition tour landed at the Sky Dome at issue a masturbation sequence during the song Like a Virgin. After checking out the show, police left without incident. Then, three years ago, when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle fled to Canada... Harry, don't run off to Canada. It's so boring there. Love us or hate us, Madonna will bring her celebration tour to Scotiabank Arena on August 13th. We're not boring. Officially, tickets go on sale on Friday morning, but fan club tickets went on sale today. And by this afternoon, there was a limited availability. So obviously, Toronto still loves Madge, but be prepared to open your heart and your wallet. I found a single floor ticket available for $10,976 US. I'm Andrea Case for CTV News. Good night. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. This is good. I think they should do it. Have the warning labels, but don't make them uh, so big and overbearing. overbearing. Updating our top stories, a new report is recommending warning labels be attached to alcohol products to warn people about the potential dangers of consuming the drug. The report also updates consumption guidelines indicating up to two drinks a week put someone in a low-risk zone compared to the previous guidance of two drinks a day from 2011. Starting to see signs that this uh, uptrend inflation line in Canada, I would actually argue globally, uh, is starting to finally break. Canada's inflation rate slowed to 6.3% in December, with gas prices dropping, but the cost of groceries continuing to rise. Despite the lower inflation rate, economists are still expecting the Bank of Canada to hike its key interest rate next week. Uh, fans can expect different spaces based on the nights that you're coming. So if you're coming on Tuesday night with your friends, you can head up to the Corona rooftop patio, where it really is a rooftop patio. The Blue Jays offered a sneak peek inside the Rogers Center today, which is in the midst of its largest ever renovation. The team unveiled four new outfield neighborhoods, which fans can enjoy during the home opener on April 11th. On the markets, the Canadian dollar climbed 16 points to close at 74.70 U.S. American benchmark oil was up 32 cents to 80.18 a barrel. And the TSX Composite Index gained 67 points to close at 20,457. General Motors has unveiled its fastest Corvette ever, and it's a hybrid. The front wheels of the E-Ray run on an electric motor, and the traditional 6.2-liter engine powers the back. The GM says the new VET goes from 0 to 97 kilometers per hour in two and a half seconds. The price? About $139,000 Canadian. In New York, one of those new Corvettes was the star attraction at 30 Rock. He put on a show at the rink doing donuts on the ice while being broadcast live on the Today Show. The Corvette made its debut on this date in 1953 at GM's Motorama in the Big Apple. She's the senior fitness trainer who proves age is just a number. CTV News breaks a sweat with the 80-year-old workout wonder. That's coming up. If your New Year's resolution to get active is starting to wane, tonight we have the motivation you might need. It comes from an 80-year-old woman with a passion for fitness. As CTV Scott Lightfoot reports, she's a source of inspiration for other Toronto seniors. Here we go. And push. 
To call Dee Simpson an active senior would be an understatement. I am very proud to say that four days ago, I turned 80 years young. Years after most people have retired, Simpson is working hard and working out. So I want you to put the elbows together and hold them there. That's it. And helping others to do the same as a fitness trainer. She's my only 80-year-old trainer, and she's incredible. This is actually Simpson's fourth career, something she didn't start doing until she was 65. I've never called it fitness, but activity has always been an important part of my life. For the past 13 years, she's been a trainer with Vintage Fitness, helping seniors across the GTA stay active, many of whom are younger than she is. If they do think about me as older than they are, I think in a sort of way they might take it as a helpful motivational tool. If Dee can do it at her age and I'm five years younger, maybe I can do it too. She has this energy about her. She exudes this energy and passion for life that's contagious. So you're around her and you just feel like it lifts up your mood. For Dee, the idea of staying active extends to all corners of her life. Whitewater canoeing, snowshoeing, cycling, hiking. Last summer, she biked 700 kilometers from Belgium to France. I realize I am super, super lucky. I have never been sick, really. I've never had any bad diseases. I haven't got arthritis. I'm a super lucky, healthy person. And now, as an octogenarian, she plans to keep moving and to keep pushing others to do the same. Helping people and being active has always been an absolutely core in my life and I've always had dreams that I want to keep on going and keep on going let's keep active together so we can we can live and fulfill our dreams maybe into our 90s that would be the most wonderful thing to be able to do Scott Lightfoot CTV News isn't she something an inspiration to all of us mm -hmm. at 80 no excuses yeah all working out tomorrow no doubt deal I, whatever the weather too whatever the weather and it looks as though tomorrow will bring some improvements compared to tonight but let's take a look at what we're dealing with currently because if you have to maybe head out for a run tonight you might want to bring the rain gear and of course make yourself very visible in those foggy conditions we're still under an advisory here in the city of toronto there's a look at your wake-up weather and one more glance at our very cloudy seven-day forecast already looking forward to next monday nathan and michelle and a reminder, tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $60 million plus six max millions. Nathan and Michelle, over to you. Get to that money. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zarada Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.